One of the greatest blessings is when a small group begins to feel like a family, but that is also one of the greatest dangers as well if it prohibits others from experiencing the same thing. Are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? It's time to go the second mile and having a multiplying mindset. Hey, this is Travis Agnew. Thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 5.41, where he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him the second mile as well. Jesus is too great to follow at a mediocre attempt. We want to know him as, as deeply and as intimately as we possibly can and follow him along the way. And so as it relates to small groups and especially as it relates to the church, uh, the last few months we have been looking at what are those values? What are those things that you need to have as it relates to being the church in the context of a small group? This is the last episode that we're going to do kind of around this theme. And uh, so we really looked at, I guess, about 18, 19 episodes of looking at what does it mean to be a small group in the context of a local church. And the reason why I think this is so important, right, as we're in 2021 and in some places it seems like a lot of the COVID restrictions and fear are kind of at least minimizing. Some people are still in the middle of it, right, uh, at least in the fear kind of concept. But a lot of people are starting to move back. But what this last year taught us is that we do need each other. Uh, so whether we are meeting in person or online or trying to do that, uh, we realize that no amount of sermon videos that you watch uh, or no matter how many podcasts you listen to, there's something missing. Uh, you can watch the best teachers, best preachers, best communicators in the world, and yet something's missing when you're not actually known by people. And so if you're in a uh, church size, whether it is uh, you know 100 people or 10,000 people, really the way this takes place is that within the context of small groups, whether you come small groups, discipleship groups, gospel groups, Sunday school class, you name it, it's something smaller than your worship experience numbers where you commit to meeting with these people. And as we go, one of the things that has to take place is that we really need to look at to make sure that we are learning and growing together because life is hard. And if you are isolated, it's always the isolated person who gets taken away from the pack and gets attacked out there, right? And so we want to really make sure that we focus upon what has God called us to do and how can we do that at the best way? And throughout scripture and throughout history and through your life and through mine, we know this, that it's easier to follow Jesus when we are surrounded by people who are going in the same direction at the same pace. But if we try to live isolated Christianity, it's hard to obey and fulfill all those one another's in the Bible if it's only by ourselves. We have to be in context for relationships within small groups. So this being the kind of final episode of looking at what these small groups are, I'll just as a repetition really quick, I just remind you, here's six values that I would encourage you, regardless of your context, to think about, really discern, is this kind of something that could be said of our group or our church right now? Number one, are your groups built around the authority of God's word, where it's God's word and not man's opinion that's driving it, right? Yes, you can have a curriculum, but make sure you're at least pushing people to know God's word. Number two is maturity, that you are having a standard of what leadership should look like, and there should be somewhat of a maturing 
godly people who are being sanctified right now that, you know what, they're not perfect, but they are making progress, and we can see that. The third value is authenticity, that a small group to be healthy should be a place where you can be real. It's okay to say, I don't have it all together, and you're going to get the help that you need. The fourth value goes along with that in the sense of accountability, so that when you don't have it all together, but you do make promises to God, you're also making them to one another to say, you know what? I have some people that on my weekdays are going to check in on me, pray for me, encourage me to continue to go down the path. The five value is availability that you know that life happens outside of the group time. And so you are making sure that you're available so that you know when someone is going through a rough time that it's just a phone call away, a visit away, a text away, whatever it is. And this last value that we've been looking at the last two weeks and finishing up here today is that aspect of reproducibility. That we are wanting to say, you know what? It's not just about the people here now, but those people who are to come later. And how are we going to make room for them? Because we cannot continue to add chairs into this room. We've already got them, uh, you know, people stacked on top of each other, right? That's a great problem to have if that's yours. But, but what do we do to make sure that we're making room for the other people? First mile believers really do a good job of maintaining a group. You know what? We've got a roster and we know where people are. But second mile believers learn how to multiply a group. They're saying, okay, so we've got these people here, but how do we start making the process go about so that other people can be there? How do we create this position of an eager reproducibility? We are excited about that more people will come. Now, with that means for more people to come, it means at some point we are going to lose something. For others to gain something, we're going to have to lose something. We're going to lose the connection maybe that we've grown accustomed to. We're kind of going to lose some of that sentimentality. We're like, oh, we just always did all these things together. Is that a loss? Absolutely it is. You have to determine, are those people who don't have it worth it for you to lose it and find it somewhere else so that they can find it? Because if you take the structure of your church and your classes or groups or whatever it is right now, you can't continue to add one, two, and three people on those rosters. Eventually, one day, something is going to have to multiply. Or if it does go down, that tells me that you're dying. And typically, why is it dying? Because we've had that click mentality that we don't want to welcome new people in. You have to start leading and thinking and operating. How do we start making room for the people who aren't here yet? And so that eager reproducibility is so important. The, the most connected members in a group are going to be those people who come along with you, right? But to do that, at some point, you may have to say, you know what? We're going to have to make room for them. Addition can grow a group, but multiplication grows a kingdom. If we think about disciples, we don't want to just add disciples or add groups or add services or add churches. Uh, we want to multiply those things because you know what happens when when one person disciples another and now you've got two and they go and do that, it's four and, and then four goes into eight. And what happens is that through multiplication, you're able to fulfill the Great Commission much more simple than just continue to add numbers to it that you can't keep track of. So as it comes into the context of a small group, you need to start thinking of, Instead of taking our roster of 12 people and just continuing to add it till we can't fit them anymore, when is the place where we start thinking about not splitting the group? I know that's a word that kind of makes you cringe, right? We're not splitting it. We're multiplying it. And it is different, right? So addition can grow a group and without a doubt. Well, multiplication grows a kingdom. It allows you to start thinking long-term about how do we start making making sure that other people that come this year or 10 years from now, there's kind of a rhythm and just kind of part of our mentality that we're always thinking about the people who aren't here yet. And are we paving the way and making the sacrifices so that they have a place to join when they get here?
In Acts chapter 13, verse number 3, it says that this church got together after fasting and praying, then they laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas, and they sent them off. Um, and you go, oh, that's exciting because they're missionaries. Well, if you really know someone right, uh, when I've had the privilege of taking people who are dear friends of mine and commissioning them to another nation as a missionary or another church to go serve across town or whatever it might be, or even sending someone off to start a new group, there is excitement. There's also a lot of sadness. Uh, We just grow accustomed to these relationships. But to follow Jesus means that we are to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and to follow him. Following Jesus does not mean that we just make things as comfortable as we possibly can. Kind of ridiculous to think of that we follow a king who uh, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, left heaven to come to our busted up earth and to be able to die on a sinner's cross of which he did not deserve. And somehow we think we should follow him and never have to sacrifice anything. Folks, there are times we have to sacrifice stuff. We have to start thinking, you know what? There may be a time where we fast, pray, and we lay our hands on people, and we say, we're sending them off. We're multiplying this group. We're multiplying this church. We're sending 20 of our best members down the road to start another church. We're sending half of our small group to go down the hall and start another one because there's new people coming. And is it difficult? Yes. Is it painful? Yes. And that's part of the beauty, that these relationships are so deep that you don't want them to end. And that shows you exactly why. Other people need it. But if you continue to make sure that there's no room for those new people, then what's going to take place is that they're never going to be blessed with what you've been blessed with for years. So if you're thinking about multiplying a group, having a multiplying mindset at church, this is what some things I would just encourage you to do, especially as it comes to, to a group. You have to repeat the goal number one. Just continue to repeat the goal. Our goal is to multiply this group. Our goal is to multiply this group one day. Our goal. I remember uh, the first time we started a group uh, on uh, Wednesday night here at our church years ago when there wasn't any like new groups. We had some people serving on Sundays that couldn't get into a group. So we said, hey, we're going to start on Wednesday. And the first night we got together, I said, our goal is this. We're the only group meeting on this long hallway here. And our goal is this, that one day this entire hallway will be full on Wednesday nights of other groups that start right here. And you know what? Um, it's starting to take place. The group, the, the hallway is not full yet, but we're getting there. And so my goal is always multiplying the group, repeat that goal. Number two. Uh, You need to start mentoring the leaders. Who are you thinking about who could actually lead? Are you allowing them to teach? Are you allowing to give them constructive criticism, giving them certain responsibility? Number three, prepare the group as it's getting closer to where you feel like, you know what, this size is getting a little bit too much to care for and we've got new people coming in. Start preparing the group. In a few months, we're going to need to do this and start praying and fasting and thinking through how to do it best. Number four, discern the time. Hey, don't do it before it's too early because if you break the group off when there's only eight people on the roster and only four of them come regularly, it's kind of bad when it goes two to two, right? You might want to build it up a little bit bigger than what it typically is, but you discern the time when it's best. And then you can not split the group, but you really discern the time and think through how to do that. And you take a good batch of people over here and a good batch of people over here, some talkers in this group and take some of the other talkers and split them into the other group and you discern the best time to do that. And the fifth step is this, repeat the process. After you've repeated the goal and mentored the leaders and prepared the group and discerned the time and you've launched that group out, then you need to repeat the process. The goal would be if you're like me, hey, we've got one group, but one day we want to see 20 groups. We want to see 100 groups. We want to see people and groups and, and discipling relationships and churches and in services just say, let's keep multiplying, keep multiplying. Is there a sacrifice in that? You better believe it. 
Is there joy in that? You better believe it because what you've benefited from so much, somebody else could because you deny yourself. It's worth the process. They are worth it. God loves them and wants them to have those relationships just as well. You can do it. Hope to see you in the second mile.